Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. This is a year of radical discipleship and formation for us here at Garden Church. These last three weeks, we've begun to scratch the surface on prayer, scripture, and worship, values of our faith that describe life with God. And now we move to another value, life with others, starting with community. I think many of us would like to stop with life with God, but you can't be a disciple of Jesus without others. We'd like to stick with just a personal life of prayer, scripture, and worship, but you start involving others and it gets complicated. Yeah, it does. That's the point. You know why community is so hard? Because you're in it. (laughs) And I'm in it. We're broken and imperfect. But what does Jesus say? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love who? Is it yourselves? No. God? That's important, but no. It's one another. In reality, as Christians, there's no such thing as a disciple. There are only disciples. To follow Jesus is to be part of this new kind of doing, new kind of way of doing family, of being family. Community is the context of discipleship. And there are 59 one another commands in the New Testament. To even try to obey them, we have to be in community. And we know that we are in a time where more people are lonely and isolated than ever before. And this was before the lockdowns. We're in a pandemic, but underneath this time, actually over this time, is another kind of sickness. We have never been more connected than we are right now, yet we live in a time of unprecedented loneliness and individualism. I learned this statistic this last week, and it shocked me, that loneliness has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 15, making it even more dangerous than obesity. It reminds me of those cigarette ads, the ones with the pictures on the packages. Have you seen those? They're in the UK. These cigarette packages come not just with a health warning, but shocking images of the health consequences of smoking. Pictures of cancer, lung damage, rotting teeth, these visceral warnings that are meant to shock you and wake you up. What pictures would be on the labels of our society? We feel the consequences. We see it. Loneliness has been proven to cause mental and physical health disorders, but we just keep swimming. We've been raised in an environment and society that hasn't equipped or trained us to live in authentic community. So today, we're exploring what biblical community looks like. What does it look like to have a rule of life around community in the midst of a global pandemic? And there is no better or more profound place that we find what this looks like than in the book of Acts, where the first believers were ignited after Pentecost. So open your Bibles to Acts 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 of Acts 42 to 47. The scriptures will be on your screen as well if you need them. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor 
of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit has come and filled this community, after the tongues of fire that would have been absolutely terrifying. And we see that the fruit of Pentecost was this biblical community. These small households that were dedicated to God's word, to each other, and where there was no need among them. That same spirit fills and anoints us for this kind of community today. So I want to pray for the message, but I want to pray that we would experience that right now and know that. So why don't you close your eyes, open your hands, and I just want to invite the Holy Spirit into your homes and into your lives right now. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. We remind ourselves that the same Spirit of Pentecost is the same Spirit that fills us right now. Because we need your spirit for what's next. We need your spirit for what's now. So would you fill us, fill our time, and anoint this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this community in Acts, we have taught on this many times in the past. It's the verse that guides our house churches in our community. It captures the DNA of what it means to be a Christian, what life is meant to look like, not just 2,000 years ago, but right now. And we long for this. And we say, yeah, that's it. We want this kind of community, but we don't know how to live it. I was 11 years old when the Northridge earthquake hit in 1994. We lived in Santa Clarita, just north of Northridge, and we felt it big time. (laughs) It was very early in the morning, and I'll never forget walking outside as the sun was coming up, seeing the whole street filled with people. And they were our neighbors. And I remember my parents and I meeting and talking with neighbors that I never met or seen before. People that I lived right next to for years, so close, yet they might as well have lived on the other side of the planet. I remember feeling this deep sense of safety, knowing that we were in this together, that we weren't alone. And yet after the dust settled, And things got back to normal. We all went back into our insulated lives, pulling back into our homes, our private lives, locked doors, closed blinds, until the next disaster. At Garden Church, you have a choice. This is an invitation to community, to live the kinds of lives where we break from our private, insulated, preference-driven condition. Because we are in a crisis. And the solution to the division, to the unrest, to the healing that is needed is found here in the early church. A devotion to Jesus that pulls us in and where everything is laid down, lives and resources for the sake of the other. So I'm going to go through some of what we see in this early expression of the church and how we can practically engage that right now in in four ways. So first... We can't live it if we're not in it. So Garden Church, to be a gardener right now is to be in a house church, to be in a digital community right now. I'm more convinced of this than ever. And what I mean by being in is being devoted, laying down our preferences. It's not, I'll devote myself if, if they have live gatherings, If they meet in person, 
if they don't meet in person. I have Zoom fatigue. No one is in my life stage. I just don't have time, or I can't add one more thing to my plate. And maybe it's more personal for you. I'm afraid of getting hurt again. It's hard for me to be vulnerable. And these are real things. But do you think that the Acts 2 church could have been built on preferences? What would that have looked like right now? You know, it would have said, but they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching when they felt like it, only to teach each other something when something better didn't come along. Communion and prayer were done once a week when led by someone else or when they were reminded. They all had Zoom fatigue, so rarely checked in with each other. People's needs were met if it was convenient and didn't impact the vacation budget. And they tried to catch at least a few minutes of the Sunday sermon to see if the pastor had got a haircut yet. And that's funny, but it's probably true. I've been a Christian for 18 years, and I've been a part of over 10 groups over those seasons. And when I think of where my faith has been forged, it hasn't been on Sundays. It's been on the Tuesday nights, the Wednesday mornings, the stuffed living rooms, the backyards, the hallways, the awkward gender breakout times, the meals shared and delivered at our doorstep when sickness and hardship hit, in garage sales, being held to pay people's rent, in the money given with no strings attached for needs, the group texts, and recently, yes, even the weekly Zoom calls. That is where this life, this expression of acts has taken place for me. Not all the time, not perfectly by any means, but enough that I am more committed than ever to this kind of community. And I'll never forget when our oldest daughter was having heart surgery after she was born. Our group showed up. They canceled plans and made us a priority because we needed them. It was our family. I cannot imagine life outside of doing it with a dedicated group of people. I wouldn't have survived. And so if you're not in a group, your first step is to commit to one. And I say commit, not join, because you don't join a family. When you marry, um, you know, names get exchanged, <laughs> names get changed, you make a vow. It takes time, but you make this, this first step of showing up, of, of being curious. And I know there are some of you um, right now who are called to start and lead a group, to cultivate and create space for others to experience this. Maybe there are a few people you know but, um, already that you can do this with, but we are going to have a lot of people looking to join and to commit to community. And we need new leaders to step up and say, yes, I'm in. Not because you have it all together or you're perfect, but because you recognize the need, the longing, the desperation in you. And you know it must exist in others too. Why not make room for that? Make room for Jesus to show up in the longing for more, the need for more. This next year is dedicated to this. All the content is being provided to you. And the commitment is to engage it and walk with others in it. So whether you want to join or even start a digital community, go to our website right now and you'll be directed to find how to join and start one. We're ready to help you. And if you're in one right now, what has commitment looked like? Are you showing up each week having done the work? Are you asking your leaders how you can be praying for them? Are you doing it out of obligation or because you are committed to this family for better or for worse? And if you're saying, yes, John, I'm in, I want to do this, I need to remind you 
that it's not all roses and rainbows. <laughs> because there are three phases of every community. And the first starts with idealization. We get really excited to start an Acts 2 kind of community and think that awe and wonder are going to be on the menu every time we meet. And then we hit a phase called disenchantment. This is where we realize that people don't live up to our expectations. We're disappointed and we blame others or the structures for what we hoped to experience but didn't. And this is where most of us find another group, find another church, or just opt out entirely. But now if you stick around, you get through the messiness of it. And you, you realize something. You realize that people are broken. You're broken. That the goal isn't to meet your expectations, but to lay your lives down for another. To be dedicated when it feels good and when it is hard. This is when you get to the last phase. It's commitment. Where you say, this is my family. When you experience moments that make it all worth it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it this way. He says, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates the wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamers proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law and judge one another and God accordingly. It is not we who build Christ. Sorry, it is not we who build Christ builds the church. It is a great comfort which Jesus gives to his church. You confess, preach, bear witness to me, and I alone will build where it pleases me. Do not meddle in what is not your providence. Do what is given to you and do it well, and you will have done enough. Live together in forgiveness of your sins. Forgive each other every day from the bottom of your hearts. This brings me to the next practice of community. One that, uh, one of the most important one another commands in the New Testament. Something we cannot do outside of community is to confess your sins to one another. Some of you might be familiar with William Young. He's the author of a book called The Shack. He has this practice where he lives a life of pure freedom because he lives a life without secrets. He doesn't have a single one. And he says this um, about this practice. Why do we keep our secrets? Mostly because we are terrified of losing control, of losing the little bits of scraps of acceptance and approval that we have managed to scrape together through production and performance. The irony is that relationships will bring us healing, but we don't trust them. Are you living under the shame of your secrets? They can become a prison where we maintain this facade, hoping that one day our facade will become real. Can you imagine what it would be like to not have a single part of your mind, your thought, or heart in the shadows? And I don't mean you disclose your deepest, darkest secrets to everyone you meet, but imagine worrying, never worrying about any of that. What if my boss finds out that I'm addicted to pills? What if my best friend discovers that I have an eating disorder? 
What if fill in the blank? I know we all have secrets that we'd fill in the blank there. And I practiced this exercise of no secrets with a close friend in my community. We sat down in a room and just let it out. The layers, under the layers, confessing and repenting. And you know when you hit a wall of confessing or sharing and you say, that's probably far enough. <laughs> that's juicy enough details. Well, I, we went deeper. And under those layers of self-protection, I, I released those secrets. And brothers and sisters, it was freeing. My worst fears didn't happen. My fear of not being loved or accepted were, were gone. My facade was gone. So maybe for you this week, pick a person. And if you're in a digital community or house church, pick someone there and practice this with them. Confession doesn't keep us from the consequences of our actions, but it sets us free to face them and bring them to light where we can truly be who we are called to be. Practice number three is to share your hearts and your resources. What would it look like for there to be no need among us in our groups? And this comes in both practical needs with our resources and also sharing our hearts, our honest prayers. One practical way of sharing your heart is, is being honest about your prayer needs, sharing your prayer requests, and not just hearing them from someone and saying, praying for you, you know, prayer hand emoji, and never following up, but actively fighting alongside those in your community for God to move, specifically showing that you are invested. I have a friend in our group that has this whiteboard with all of our names on it and all of our prayer requests, and, and they're the recent prayers. And if they're old, he follows up and says, hey, these are too old. I need some new ones. And where are you at with this, this prayer request? Does this get answered? I'm fighting, you for, I'm fighting with you for it. It spurred me on to get a whiteboard. So maybe you need to get a whiteboard and put everyone uh, on your house, church, or digital community on it and start praying and following up. And then it's also really practical with our resources. I was uh, talking with our team this last week and I learned that we don't get many requests for, requests for financial help within our digital communities or house churches. And I think there's two reasons for that. One, I know that many of you are, are doing this in your groups. You're meeting the needs. I hear stories all the time of rent being paid, cars being donated, food being exchanged, just pantries being full. But I also think there's a bit of um, maybe shame. Uh, there's a bit, we're ashamed of voicing the needs that we have because it's, we're prideful. And so a practical step is to voice them, to, to see what happens. So leaders, create a space for this and maybe be the first, the first to share and be honest about what uh, your own needs. And I, I, had this, I had this idea. I was like, what if you went a month in your group without buying something, minus food maybe, and instead asked if someone else in your group had one to give you? Imagine a community who freely opens our hands to the generosity of others and freely meets the need of others. And one simple tool that we actually we have for this, and I know many of you use it, is our garden resource sharing page on Facebook. This online community, and if you're not on there, it, it's probably the only good thing that's on Facebook right now. But it's amazing to see the needs, these needs met there on a regular basis. And actually, I just looked on it today, and there's someone 
that recently had knee surgery in our community and needs one of those knee scooters. So if you have one, get on that Facebook group and let them know that you have one. But you can go on there and sign up, and it's a great way to be an exchange of resources and where we can see there's no need among us. Practice number four, sharing meals together. Something that we will never take for granted again. And I know this is not possible for many of us right now, outside of your immediate family, but it's not impossible. Something about a meal is healing, especially when you're not the one cooking it, unless you love to cook. I love to cook, so I love making meals for people, but it's something so practical. Anytime someone is going through a hard season, a hospital stay, when someone has a quarantine for, is quarantined for two weeks, we set up a meal train. This has become almost automatic in any community I'm in, or if I hear about someone having a hard time, hey, I'm sending you dinner. What's your order? And meals in the first century were also a place of acceptance. If you were invited to the table to dine with someone, it meant that they accepted, you were accepted, faults and all. And this kind of table fellowship was central to relationships and community. It's why my wife and I built a front patio in front of our house, not in the backyard, to actually see our neighbors and bring snacks and drinks out front all the time, not hiding in the house or the backyard. Um, and we've, we've put tree swings on, on, on the trees that are surrounding us just to get some kids to have fun. And now we have to sanitize them down every time the kids play with them, but we make it work. But with this posture, I know every single person on my block. And I can tell you if there's an earthquake, I know every single one. And we won't have any strangers. I even have emergency supplies for my neighbors. Don't come to my house if there's an earthquake. I only have enough for, for our family and a few neighbors. So just if you know where I live, just get, get emergency supplies. But another practical way of creating community and some creative things that we've done as a family and in our group is we've established a quarantine group of people to survive this lockdown with. People in our house church who live in ways that make it safe for our families. Who Our, our daughter has a, has, our, our, some of our, our kid has a, um, our child has a, a heart condition and so we have to keep her safe. But it's these environments that we get to hang out together and eat together to bring some kind of normalcy to ourselves and our kids. And we make a covenant with these people. We make a promise to them, which means to say no to a thousand other events and dinners and opportunities in order for us to stay safe for their sake. The yes to this community, to stay quarantined for them, allows us to have rich, deep, consistent, and long-standing connections. When stuff hits the fan, when conflict comes up, we fight through it and we stay family. When tragedy hits, we know who shows up. We get to celebrate good news. It's won and fought together. And all of this is layered with years of, of wonderful and, and tough conversations, honesty and commitment, vulnerability and encouragement. It takes time. But maybe there's one or two people that you can do this with right now. Outline what it would look like to make it safe for, for you to do this, saying no to things that would jeopardize it in order to have this kind of community right now. And as we close, I want to remind you, Garden Church, that to be a gardener right now is to commit to a group. If you're ready, go online and we'll help you find one right now. And if you're feeling called to start a group, you might have some people in mind that you can reach out to today. And if you don't, again, we'll have people ready to start this with you. We have a form online to let us know and, and we'll, help you, we'll resource you to start one. Um, but do that right now. 
And if you're in a community right now, keep showing up. Confess your sins. Be there for each other when life happens and needs come up. Release your expectations and preferences and begin to see what's possible when a spirit-filled community transforms the world from the inside out. Let's come out of COVID more connected and more committed to each other than ever before. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. We cannot do this on our own. The moment we try, we will mess it up. Teach us and help us. Help us to model what this looks like, what this kind of family looks like. It says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May we be the kind of community that becomes irresistible to those around us, where neighbors and friends and family, those far from God, would know you by the way we are committed to each other, Jesus. May we start with us. Teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends. Love you all. God bless you this week. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.